all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey of season two. I love getting the whisperings here and there of how Jesus is meeting you in the midst of all the things you're juggling, big and small. I just love how by His Spirit, He's so faithful to connect the dots from really ordinary things to very glorious things in His way and in His timing. It's really beautiful. Well, I want to start today's podcast by recognizing all of our heavy hearts over the flooding in Texas. As you know, it's very surreal to watch on TV altogether. But for Nathan and I, we're seeing footage of a city that we know very well. Houston was where Nathan and I began as Watermark back in 97 and 98. We called Houston home, and it was where we served locally at Houston's First Baptist Church for their singles ministry, and it was where we heard our first song on the radio on KSBJ. It's a city where we have countless precious friends and even extended family. So my brother Eric Hill and his wife Kristen, Amaryllis Kristen, as most of you know her by, Kristen is originally from Houston, and her sweet, sweet parents had to evacuate by boat on Sunday, and they have potentially lost everything. There's very little chance that anything will be salvaged. And we gathered our kids in the living room on Sunday, and we literally prayed them through the evacuation. And I wanted to share with you a post from Kristen's sweet mama, Karen. She posted this on Monday, the day after they had to leave their home by boat. And it was a picture of a devotional dated that day, August 28th, by J.R. McDuff. And it says this, It is quite easy for us to talk and to theorize about faith, but God often puts us into His crucible of affliction to test the purity of our gold, and to separate the dross from the metal. How happy we are if the hurricanes that blow across life's raging sea have the effect of making Jesus more precious to us. It is better to weather the storm with Christ than to sail smooth waters without Him. And then Karen's own words with this post were, Lord, go before us, I pray, as our beloved Houston and the other people of Texas navigate the horrid waters of Harvey. Harvey is not the rest of the story. You are. With weary hearts, remembering we lost another home to Allison and then our son's Galveston home to Ike, we know you are able to provide the strength we need to do this house remediate thing once again. Remind all of us who are affected and those who care about all those who are affected that you are a God who is able. You can give us the strength. May we receive it and may we all seek to be ground angels for one another. Karen's faith challenges me in such a huge way and I love her heart even though I know that her body and her mind and her everything is so tired. And trust me, Harvey's just one of the hurricanes that they've been through both literally and spiritually. I think part of the heaviness of this devastation is knowing that there's still such a long road ahead with more rain possible, but also just a long road of grieving what has been lost and a long road of rebuilding. Yesterday morning when I was making my coffee, I know this might sound super crazy, but I just started singing a song to the Lord about the hurricane. It was just one of the ways that I chose to pray to Him about it. I sang and I asked him to take that hurricane and throw it back out to sea and turn all of that rain into just a mist over the ocean and let the waters recede. And I asked him to remember mercy. And even if you're not a singer, I think one of the sweetest ways you can pray is just to sing a personal song of praise to God or a song that cries out for his mercy over his people or even sing on behalf of someone. I learned many years ago when I was first learning to be a worshiper and what that really means and to be a worship leader that I could sing on behalf of someone else, especially in a moment where I knew that maybe their hearts were overcome and they couldn't sing on their own. Sometimes even when I'm leading worship, the Lord will bring someone's face to my mind, or I might even see someone in the audience, and the Lord will impress on my heart to sing the song I'm leading on behalf of that person. So 
believing in my heart that by the Spirit of God, I might could bring ministry, like actual real ministry over that person by singing truth over their lives. I always say to worship leaders, believe it in your heart louder than you can sing it. So I'll say it to you. Even as a worshiper, believe it louder than you can pray it and sing it over these precious people. And our worship can change things. It makes me think of the story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. I love this story as a worship leader, and you'll see why. It's the story where King Jehoshaphat gets word that a huge battle is ahead for Judah and Jerusalem. Some men basically come to him and say, a great multitude is coming against you, and they're well on their way. And the scriptures say that Jehoshaphat was very afraid, and it says that he set his face to seek the Lord. The original language there is this idea that he resorted to seek God alone, and that was his plan of action. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, and Judah assembled to seek help from God as well. From all the cities of Judah, they all came to seek the Lord together. I love that. The message says that Jehoshaphat stood before the people in the temple of God and cried out, O God, God of our ancestors, are you not God in heaven above and ruler of all kingdoms below? You hold all power and might in your fist. No one stands a chance against you. And didn't you make the natives of this land leave as you brought your people Israel in, turning it over permanently to your people Israel, the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived here and built a holy house of worship to honor you, saying, When the worst happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, we take our place before this temple. We know you are personally present in this place, and we pray out our pain and trouble. We know that you will listen and give victory. A few verses down, Jehoshaphat says to the Lord in closing, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That one slays me every time. And this one in verse 13 as well, it says, Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I don't know about you, but this is how I felt the past few days watching the news as precious people are fighting for their lives and losing their homes. So on their behalf, I felt that rise up in me. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's that moment of worship where your heart just says within you, God, where else would I go? The story goes on in Second Chronicles 20 that the Spirit of God falls on a prophet nearby, and essentially he cries out to the people and says, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. After that, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, the appointed worship leaders, and other tribes stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And the next morning, it was battle time, and I love this. It says that Jehoshaphat and all the people of Judah rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness. It says that Jehoshaphat stood before the people and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. It then says that Jehoshaphat appointed singers to go out in front of the army, singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for His steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against their enemies, and their enemies actually ended up all killing each other. If you read on, it says it took Judah three days to gather all of the spoil from the dead army, clothing, goods, and treasures, and they worshiped and blessed God there, calling it the Valley of Blessing. So I do know this, His steadfast love endures forever, and I also know that according to Scripture, when there is a tearing down, there is a building back up, and when there is intense brokenness, There will be intense blessing and favor. And we sing that over all these precious people even now, not to skip over the grief. No, our hearts are breaking for Texas, but our posture today can be to set our face 
to seek the Lord on behalf of our brothers and sisters, and we can sing today a song of praise to our God and also humbly beseech Him with our song and pour prayers out today that He would have mercy even now. And we can sing out in front of the rebuilding and the healing and the new life and the blessing that's to come to all these places where devastation sits in this moment. So let's be praying and singing, but let's also be giving. If you'd like to give and you want a trusted source, I have a few for you if you want to jot these down. The first one is through withyouministries.com slash withyoutexas. And this is Eric and Kristen Hill, who I told you about earlier. Eric, my brother, pastored in Houston for over 10 years. And like I said, Kristen grew up there in Houston. So they both have their finger on the pulse of where supplies would be greatly needed. So they're going to be driving in a truck full of just full-on cleaning and rebuilding supplies once the water has gone down, hopefully around like September 9th or 10th. So this truck is going in. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can go to their website, withyouministries.com slash withyoutexas, and you'll be able to give through them. And you can be assured that the love of Jesus is going to go with that truck and those supplies and it will be stewarded very well. Another place to give or volunteer, a trusted source there on the ground, is bayoucityfellowship.com. That's B-A-Y-O-U, cityfellowship.com. Our friend Curtis Jones is the pastor there, and they've set up their homepage of their website as a relief page for those affected by Hurricane Harvey. So, Also, for people who want to volunteer and give, you can go there as well. We know Curtis and his wife, Amanda, very well, and we trust their hearts in the stewardship of something like this. And also Jeremy Courtney with preemptivelove.org. They are in Houston now as well, bringing relief, and you can support their work there through their site as well. Well, I have a guest that I'm really excited about today. Before we jump in with her, I'd like to share some really exciting news around the podcast. We've discovered an exciting new way to connect with you on a deeper level with our core-based listeners. Before I tell you more, let me just say this. Season one of the podcast, if I'm being very honest, was way more work than I ever imagined it would be. I think you picked up on that. I carried this little dream in my heart to do a podcast for a few years. And when I finally said it out loud, we almost hit the ground running with it because my husband was such a huge cheerleader for me. And along with my manager, Matt, the two of them helped me get this thing up off the ground in no time. However, what I've learned since then is that anything you do yearly, you actually do monthly. Anything you do monthly, you actually work on weekly. And anything you do weekly, you guessed it, you actually have to work on it daily. So with that said, when we were producing these pretty much weekly podcasts last year, most of them with special guests, by the time we posted and released one, it was basically time to start fine-tune producing the next one. So with mothering and homeschooling and writing and recording and traveling, As you can imagine, we were barely coming up for air. And but at the same time, we were seeing that this podcast, honestly, as much if not more than my music, was hitting a felt need out there. I think too, it's been such a sweet way to actually marry the stories to the songs. And I have a way to tell you more about the why behind the worship and why behind the prayers and the songs. And to be able to say, here's how God pierced my own heart with this first and then just trust Him to take it and use it in your life. Anyway, I had no idea when God began to whisper to me that He wanted to use my voice and not just my singing voice, that it would mean that I would be able to share my life, almost like a memoir unfolding week to week with an audience who would track along like you have. It just seems like we're in the trenches together in life, all of us. And I've just been so blessed to see your heart cry for deep to call into deep and for us to journey through some very practical things, but then literally watch the Spirit of God come and do what only He could do through it all. It's just been astounding for me to watch it all. And one of the comments that I get often is, it feels so 
thought through or that there's not a word wasted. And that's because the last thing I want is for you to just hear my opinion on something or for me to just inject my two cents worth on current events of our day. Honestly, that's not my lane. And there are literally hundreds of podcasts out there to choose from in that lane. And that's wonderful. I'm not cut out for that. (laughs) At first, I will admit that I let that overwhelm me. And sometimes I still do, but I have to remember that God uses a vast variety of things and it takes all kinds and all flavors. At some point, I had to realize that this is what I have to offer. And the way that I've chosen to offer it is something that ends up getting really prayed through, thought through, and with literally hours upon hours of preparation. Sometimes I'll start preparation and then it's not clicking and then it doesn't until literally the 11th hour or right before we push record. And I'm literally sitting there kind of sometimes weeping with it. And then there's this point where the Spirit of God just makes Himself so known with what I'm supposed to focus on. And it's then and only then that I actually have the courage to push record. And I'm not trying to sound dramatic and certainly would be a lot easier to just wing it. But for whatever reason, this is what the Lord and I land on each time. And I feel so sure it's the way that He wants this to continue to unfold. So with the approach of season two, we realized that week to week, every week, is not going to be a reasonable pace for me. So we'll need to space them a little farther apart with hopes for longevity with this podcast, honestly, and kind of that slow and steady wins the race that we talked about in the last podcast. Another aspect was that we were receiving and sort of wading through offers from wonderful sponsors for the podcast, which hear me say I'm so floored about and so grateful and honestly to think about having some kind of compensation for what has become the area of ministry that I'm spending the most time and preparation on, that brought relief to me in some ways. So I'm not going to lie about that. But at the end of the day, our desire is to be able to focus on the content that we are preparing and delivering to the table. And so we have found a very unique way for our listeners to get to be involved on a deeper level and actually partner with us to make this podcast possible just from a logistical standpoint. And now let me say this to you just to calm you down in advance before I mention anything about partnerships or money or anything. We are going to continue to offer this podcast for free for everyone. So it's still going to be free. But what we are offering that's new, like I said, is a way for you to partner with us, kind of to become a member or a patron of the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. So it's through a subscription program called Patreon, which is a play on the word patron. And by becoming a member with us, you will have access to the podcast a week before the rest of the world gets it. Also included in your membership, you'll receive extended content around some of the podcasts and even some exclusive content for Patreon members only, where I dive even deeper into topics. There'll be extra podcasts here and there, and I might even show you some design and lifestyle ideas from around the house, parenting stuff. There's just going to be some fun stuff on there as well, and you'll get sneak peeks of new music coming out. You'll have some journal prompts here and there, some mini blogs, and you'll also have first dibs on ticketing for concert events, yes, but also some future podcast live events that we're going to eventually start holding in various cities. These nights are going to be filled with teaching, which will feel like what you're used to on the podcast, a very conversational style. And you can also expect music and worship and some special guests down the road at these live events. Our goal is actually to keep these pretty intimate so that I might get a chance to actually hug your necks and say thank you face-to-face for being with us on this journey. And you'll also get first dibs on any kind of VIP concert ticketing as well, like say for my Christmas tour coming up in December. Our hope is just that we'll be able to keep the focus on great content coming through each and every time we release a podcast your way. And another aspect that we haven't even been able to think of offering because of budget is any kind of video content. But this membership program could make that possible for us for the first time. And that is really exciting for us to dream about. 
As an artist, creator, and podcaster, this whole idea of Patreon has honestly put wind in my sails these past few weeks. To be able to dream beyond where we've been a little bit and just to make this connection with our listeners even deeper, it just makes me really excited. All of this content will be delivered straight to you through the Patreon platform. Patreon exists to help creators like me to have a platform to deliver content to their patrons and for patrons to be able to connect on a deeper level with the creators that they love. So they have a website and they have a free app where this content will be delivered and it's available for iPhone and for the Android. So great news for all of you who listen on the go on your phone. This content will still be delivered right to your phone inside the Patreon app and it's super simple to use. We would love to have you as a part of this community and we're genuinely looking forward to the many ways that we can connect on a deeper level with our core patrons and continue to offer even more great content in the future. I'll remind you about it again at the end of the podcast. But if you're on your computer, you can check out patreon.com slash Christy Knuckles. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Christy Knuckles. If you're on your phone, you can download the free Patreon app and search Christy Knuckles and you'll find us. And you can sign up today to be a member of the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. And you can receive the podcast a week early starting next week with a very exciting podcast around what all the stirrings have been about this past spring. So that's going to be exciting. Well, anyway, today's guest is a new friend of mine. Her name is Sarah Haggerty. You might know Sarah from her verse book called Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. And she has a new book that's just released called Unseen that I'm really excited for you to know about. You'll hear me tell Sarah this in the interview, but I was astounded all over again as I read her book. It just amazes me how the Spirit of God is breathing this similar theme over His people so much that I was like, this girl has been reading my mail. (laughs) But it's not really that. It's just that this beautiful truth that the Spirit of God desires for us to live from, this place of knowing what it looks like to live hidden and unseen is something that He just keeps bringing back over and over. And some of us who've been hearing it, we connect on this deeper level, and it's so precious. The kingdom of God is upside down from what the world thinks. But that thinking can so easily seep into us, where we begin to believe and live from an order that's actually spiritually out of order. It's why there's so much burnout in the church, and it's why there are leaders that are losing their way. The enemy is super crafty with this lie, and even sometimes religious stuff can get attached to it, and we think it's the way, but it's not the true way of Jesus. My dad told me one time that the enemy's number one scheme is to get the children of God to strive to get their needs met in illegitimate ways. And that word illegitimate can be associated with birth, right? With sonship, with who you belong to or don't belong to, the the term illegitimate child. And it's so clear that the enemy wants us to operate from this orphan mentality when he knows himself that we belong and we are the beloved. Have you ever noticed that the Lord will often withhold the very validation that you seek from someone, especially when you want it from a very specific thing like a job or a very specific person, maybe like a pastor or a mentor or a boss? But often the Lord will cause that person to not only just withhold what we seek, sometimes He'll even allow that person to disappoint us or even crush us. Why? Because the Lord loves us, and He knows that because He made us, He's the only one who can put His thumb on you today and say, approved, this one's mine. I've read Psalm 37 to you many times, but I love how the message puts verse 6. It says, He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. I got to mentor a group of high schoolers who are aspiring worship leaders this summer, and I asked the Lord what He had on His heart for them as I was getting ready that morning. And He took me back to a time in our little apartment when Nathan and I were first married, and we had no social media, no computer, no email, no cell phone, and we wrote songs simply because they were burning in us. 
And if there was a way to make money writing songs at that time, we certainly didn't know what it was. (laughs) We had no idea. Yet he showed us things in those years, in the unseen years, that we can always hold on to and know that it was our God leading us. And I told those high schoolers that day, this is what I felt like the Lord put on my heart for them, is that one of their biggest struggles is going to be that they can see everything. Everything is at their disposal. The entire world, pretty much, is at their disposal. They can see everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the fear is that they will begin to look to what they see instead of having their faces set to seek the heart of God in the secret to know their next move. Heaven forbid we aspire to what is seen and possibly miss altogether the creativity from the Creator Himself that could have made all the difference in terms of our growth as His children, as people who will be the redeeming edge of all society. May we always look to the heart of God, even if it's in the seemingly uncelebrated place of hiddenness. The beauty of it is this inside-out approach, where when you start training yourself to live from this place, He blesses it. And you start emerging from this place, your truest self, like we talked a lot about in season one. And what you thought would be lost in the hiddenness, you gain back a hundredfold. And where there used to be dissatisfaction, there is now fulfillment. Maybe not success in the world's eyes, but true fulfillment that you were in the right place at the right time in that hidden place and the right person saw you there, the God who made you and whispered his redeeming love straight to your heart. I hope you enjoy hearing from Sarah today. Well, I am so excited to get to be sitting with Sarah Haggerty today. We're actually not getting to sit in the same room together. I'm at my kitchen table in Franklin. And where are you, Sarah? I am in Kansas City in my basement at my husband's office. My upstairs office is maybe a little too loud for a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because you're a mama, right? That's because I have a lot of people under this roof. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, well, Well, tell us, how many do you have under your roof? I'd love to hear that. Well, today I have six children, but I also have a dear friend who's visiting from Uganda. So I've got seven upstairs, but she's not Uh, a kid at all. Not even close. But yeah, I've got (laughs) six kids. That's amazing. I love it. Well, I'm so excited to finally get to chat with you. And I know that a lot of our listeners have kind of said, you know, hinted in like, you need to meet Sarah Haggerty, including we have a mutual friend, Michelle, who yes. actually said the same thing and like connected us um, really kind of just right before summer. And I'm so glad she did. And and she was just like, Christy, I'm telling you, you guys are kindred spirits. And I was so excited that I actually got a hold of your new book called Unseen that came out yeah. August 29th. And... I got to read it um, on a plane headed to um, a little vacation that I do with some friends of mine, which was such a great space to read this book in. And so as I read it, I have to tell you that, first of all, I was like, this girl has been reading my mail. (laughs) And I felt like, too, part of me was just kind of like, well, I don't need to write a book now. I'll just get behind this one (laughs) because it's so much of my heart. And so I just, I love that. But what I think is so neat, obviously, your whole story and is what really colors this so beautiful and just talking about your kids and everything. Um, but I, I love just the message that the Spirit of God is pressing in on um, His people right now, especially in the world that we're living in. And I even love the subtitle of your book. It says, it's the gift of being hidden in a world that loves to be noticed. And I think we've never needed to hear a message more um, in a time like this. And so I'm so happy to, you know, help get behind this because I feel like it's just, it's it's such a sacred message, Sarah, and the way that you wrote it is beautiful. So I'd love for you to just kind of um, take us back um, because a book, you know, it 
this never starts, this process never starts with writing a book. So kind of take us back, really kind of to the infancy maybe of this message being formed in you. And I would love for people just kind of hear a little bit about how it, how it formed in you. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think I was living it long before I had a language for it, which I think is probably mm-hmm. true with a lot of things in life. I know in my early 20s, we were, uh, my husband and I were in full-time ministry and sort of with our eyes, just this zeal in our eyes to change the world for God. And um, well, I think that was completely beautiful and goodness, and I'm raising my children. I want them to change the world for God. But I think coupled mm-hmm. with that was sort of an understanding that changing the world for God was outward impact that was seen and that was celebrated and that could kind of come mm-hmm. right behind my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, And in the midst of that, I started to recognize that I was slowly kind of turning up this treadmill on my life, but on the inside feeling pretty burnt out and tired. And um, even the recognition I was getting from ministry wasn't satisfying me. So I was talking about this Jesus in a way that when I was kind of behind closed doors, I wasn't actually experiencing him. And so that was maybe the first time that I started to realize, wait a second, like who is he when I'm scrubbing the grout in my bathroom floor. You know, what does he think Mm -hmm. of me? I kept kind of rushing through the in-between spaces to get to the kingdom impact spaces in my (laughs) mind Um, Mm -hmm. and feeling really frustrated with the in-between spaces because I just felt like, man, this is useless. I got to get through this so that I can make an impact. And it was in those times Mm -hmm. that I started to feel the very beginnings of an invitation from God. Hey, ask me what I think about you when no one's looking. That's so amazing. (laughs) And I love all the like specific examples throughout the book that you give of that. One of my favorite things is just the practical moments of application or fruit that came from you being in that hidden place in that posture. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Even like you give even just some like parenting moments throughout. I think even, you know, people listening that don't have kids that are so useful for every kind of relationship because it's like you started living from that place of the beauty of the unseen. So I'd love for you to just kind of share what that's been like, then how that's built over on the people under your roof and around you. You know, one of the things that I've seen over time is that there, I think for a while I thought, oh, there's a hidden season. And then we kind of come out of that. And I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing Mm -hmm. it's actually hidden pockets of our lives all throughout our life, regardless of how visible we are. And I think one of the ones that's been most tangible to me for my life has been with my children, um, which I think Mm -hmm. people with littles could probably relate to, but um, I don't think it's necessarily only with children. What I have found, four of my six are adopted and we adopted outside the birth order and sort of in a span of two years, we went from just Nate and me to having four children and they were older and just a lot of circumstances where we couldn't necessarily find people in our world who had walked in similar shoes. And in the same way I found myself, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, I would find myself over time, like in conversations with girlfriends or in different settings, like really trying to explain myself and my situation over and over again, kind of hoping that someone would really see this is hard Mm -hmm. and this is different. And someone please pat me on the back and tell me that (laughs) they noticed. You know, I never, of course, would say that, but I found myself kind of wanting someone to acknowledge Mm -hmm. the uniqueness Mm -hmm. of our story and the pain Mm -hmm. and the challenge, but also the beauty of it. And I remember one particular day, even actually after church, one of my children who was adopted at an older age, um, I was talking to some new new friends at church who didn't really know our whole story. And of course, at church, you know, it's like the one time a week, my kids are all showered. We all look beautiful, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like we have it together, right? And so it can naturally mm. seem like, wow, look at this picture of adoption. And one of my girls mm. who was adopted at an older age just sort of slunk down, like just looked down, covered her face. Part of her, the culture that she came from was that children actually don't even look adults in the eye. It's rude. And so that mm. combined with kind of her own insecurity and just Man, church is a loaded thing for a kid who's recently come to America and it has to meet a lot of new people. And I'm watching these new friends sort of look at her potentially through the lens of, man, she's just like a rude adolescent, you know? Mm -hmm. She can't be polite and say, yes, ma'am. And 
We get to the car mm-hmm. after church and I'm just reeling in my head thinking like, <gasps> you know, they think I'm a bad mom and my kids mm-hmm. are so disrespectful and all this stuff. And I just felt this like invitation again from the Lord. Hey, what do, what do, what do you think I think about your story? Mm-hmm. And what do you think I think about how you've reached these children and what you're doing to, to bring about healing to their brokenness? And hey, mm-hmm. I'm not disappointed in your daughter. I mean, it was just kind of this dialogue where, mm-hmm. you know, I go to his word and I see that it says he delivered me because he delighted in me. <laughs> and I see that mm-hmm. it says that he sings mm-hmm. over me. And yet here I am in, in the face of a person bringing like shame on myself, you know? And mm-hmm. so for me, practically, it is, kind of dipping my toe in the water of that kind of conversation with God where after church, I quite literally get home and get alone with my Bible and say, what do you have to say about me? Because I know what Mm -hmm. I can project or perceive that they might say about me, but what do you have to say? And actually finding that validation from him kind of changes that whole scenario. It's beautiful. And and I think too, just as you really begin to live from that place every day, day and it becomes a rhythm and kind of I've found in my own life I've had to like train myself for that to be the go-to and for that place of sitting with Jesus to be the go-to and almost you know like that to become the order in which um I I do my day and and or even the order of my thoughts that's what I love and this book is just full of that just you stewarding what are really actually huge moments with with the people that are in your life. It is interesting. I I love how you said training because I think that is it. It, You know, it it is, man, it's beautiful when we have kind of those one time, those one-off moments with the Lord where we're hearing what people are saying about us or we're perceiving what people might be thinking and yet we hear His voice louder and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden it sort of settles things. So I think the training mm-hmm. piece is the, you know, we've got 12, we've got a dozen times in a day where we can choose to like get a look from someone else or get a like on social media or have someone acknowledge our mundane, or we can go, God, I'm going to pause and just ask you, what do you think about me here? What does your word have to say about this moment? And you know what? Maybe tomorrow I take two of those dozen and, and two of those, I hear his voice. Well, then the next day, maybe it's three. And then by the end of a month, I might say, hey, I think my heart is changing. I think I'm growing. I love um, one of the aspects of the book is that you thread the story of Mary of Bethany throughout mm. the whole book, the woman who poured out very expensive perfume over Jesus' feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. And you talk about, that extravagance. And I love that. And tell me a little bit more about kind of maybe how that story gripped your heart. And and I love that it's threaded through and you have places in the book just for um, continued pursuit with scripture. And, and I think it's just such, that's what I love about it. It's such a mm. book that I feel like people can really sit with over time. It's not just a quick read. Um, but I love how you threaded that story. And I would love to know just you know, why that that story gripped you so much and just how um, maybe those unseen places surprised you as a place of kind of an extravagant way of of learning to love Jesus and learning to be seen and loved by Him in those places. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I came to that sort of through the back door. Um, mm-hmm. In our 20s, we also, uh, shortly shortly after we got married, my husband and I both prayed a prayer independently, and we didn't realize it until later. We just prayed, Lord, if there's more of you, we want to know it. There has to be more of you than what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, like for, for a span of, I don't know, seven years or so, we went through some pretty intense times in our marriage, financially. My dad passed away. We walked through infertility. And it was in those times, we were in our 20s, and we were watching friends of ours really do big, impactful things for the kingdom of God. And honestly, we could barely get through a day. It was survival. And during that time is where I started to feel the kind eyes of God on me. He wasn't frustrated with me that I was surviving. 
He wasn't disappointed that I wasn't making more of an impact. He was actually uh, gentle and tender and near in my very broken heart, (laughs) to my very broken heart. Mm -hmm. And so I started to go, oh, you love me here. If you love me here, this maybe changes everything. (laughs) If you Mm -hmm. love me when I'm doing nothing for your kingdom and and I can't even get myself to do something for your kingdom because right now my husband and I are just trying to figure out how to be married and get through a day without a whole lot of tears or fights or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I started to see the beauty of Mary of Bethany. I overlooked her for so many years because, you know, I I, I was going, well, why would you waste that on Jesus when you've got the poor to care for? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And yet he says, the poor you'll always have with, with you, but me, you won't always have. And it was then that I started to go, oh, that's, that's why she wanted to do that. He is. He was so kind to her. He was so near to her that she wanted to waste herself on him. And I started to find that God when I was unproductive, when I was not making a big impact for the kingdom, when I was pretty broken. <laughs> and so then, when you know, when life, our circumstances started to shift, I thought I want to. I want my life to look like that. No matter what the outward impact is, I want the best of me to be given to Jesus at his feet in the places where I'm willing to be misunderstood or overlooked or unseen. I want to move the heart of God. You talk about um, in chapter six, it's called Invitation to Wonder and training our eyes to see God's beauty. My last podcast was about wonder, which yes. I'm telling you, the whole book I, I kept, like there were just so many moments, like, I mean, it was literally like you were reading my mail. <laughs> well, and I listened to a handful of your podcasts and thought, I wrote the book before she said that, but this Isn't is that- wild. It feels like there's a real connectedness of heart. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that and maybe just some neat ways that you've, um, which I know it's just kind of splashed all throughout the book of how even with your own family, with your children, you've um, you know, just training again, training your your heart and your eyes and your ears to be um, open, you know, all your senses open to the wonder of God and the beauty of God that's all around us, even like in the carpool line or <laughs> yeah. wherever we're at. Oh, well, I know for me, one of the things I talk about in the book is something I did for a stretch of time and still do on occasion now, but it's, you know, the past seven months I've had a brand new baby, so it's been a little different. Um, but I did something called a wonder hour and where I would, and it was during a really full time of life where I just like, who has time to do this? But I just felt like, man, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say that I checked off my to-do list. And yet somewhere inside, I feel like I'm secretly slave to this to-do list as if at the end of this, God's going to hold up the list and go, well done. You did everything that you wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just was like, there's, I'm not wasting any more time here on productivity. I actually want to meet with God at the time where I could be most productive. And so I carved out an hour of my day um, it, at a time where I would be most likely to get a whole lot of things done and called it my wonder hour. I put a key, I have this like antique key that I would put on the door just to let the kids know, no interrupting. And during that time, I would read the word. I'd pray, I'd read poetry, sometimes even just an inspirational book about God and and pause and go, I basically on the inside, I was saying, Lord, you and seeing you in the middle of my day is more important than what I can produce. Um, mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about it, and I, like I said, I'm not currently doing a wonder hour every day, but what it has forged in me and I see the impact still is this this subtle understanding that there our life and our culture just barrels. I mean, we are positioned mm-hmm. towards productivity and towards impact. But, you know, the kingdom of God is such that when we maybe fast productivity for a stretch of time in order mm-hmm. to look at him, yeah. he gives us back that time like double. Right. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. I've gotten some of the best, some of my best Book writing and blog writing has happened when I have put the task list aside and gone out. We we actually, our house lines up against 2,000 acres of nature preserve, which is just incredible. Mm. 
And so where I go out and put on my boots and walk through the nature preserve and say, I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want three o'clock in the afternoon to be you, (laughs) not to Mm. be Sarah got done what she was supposed to do today. I'm so glad you went there because that that was my next question was, tell me the ways you've seen God come through because (laughs) you were disciplined to do that. And I just love that. And that's, and that's what this whole podcast has been is just that really story after story of, you know, I kind of talk about the, the, the target sign and, and when you hit the bullseye, which for you, the practical thing for that is the, has been the wonder hour. And that's just one of the things that you've done. And I love that. Just um, seeing the faithfulness of God, um, like Psalm 37 says, you know, if you commit your way to the Lord and you trust in Him, He will do these things. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and, and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Yes. So I talk about, you know, just, you know, instead of the to-do list or, you know, even finishing the podcast or the book or the whatever it is we're working on, the project, or, but it's really that, that discipline to literally surrender it and trust Him with it. And I love that you said that, like that He will give it back like um, double, you know, and that's, that's just what's so beautiful, yes. I think, especially for us women to hear that. I did at the start of this year, which was shortly after I had my baby, uh, my latest child. um, And I I was really, I feel like this is kind of an ongoing process for me. And I was continuing to grapple with this just tug for impact and productivity, ironically enough, as I'm finishing up the book and the editing. And so with some conversation with my husband and a lot of prayer, we did something that I called my productivity fast where I intentionally pared down the list of things that I expected myself to do, even as a mom, even around the house. And I mean, obviously there's, I had to get dinner on the table, but there are other things I think that we are in such a culture with so many ideas and inspiration that we can end up having eyes that are way too big for our stomachs. And so I pared life down, but then I said, God, during this time, and it was like a, you know, four month stretch of time, I am going to go on a productivity fast where I nurse my baby and I look her in the eye. And Mm -hmm. I take walks and I read books and I let your words seep into me rather than kind of gulping it down in a quiet time. And Mm -hmm. what I found was he gave my schedule back to me. I mean, it was like he was saying, Mm -hmm. hey, Sarah, you start with me and I will do more through you than you could even imagine. And that's kind of the notion Mm -hmm. of this book. You bury your roots into the ground and see me and the hidden place in me as the primary place of investment. And I'm not asking you to throw away your dreams of changing the world. I'm just going to do it in a way that's well beyond what your physical body could do. And that you look back and go, oh, it was all Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so excited for um, people to get their hands. I'm excited. I'm actually holding an actual book in my hands. Yay! I'm excited to get it. <laughs> um, before we go, I would just love for you to, is there anything that else that you just is on your heart burning? Because I know, you know, just based on when I write a CD or, you know, or, or writing songs and kind of um, launching something into the world, there's so much that's just burning Mm. in our heart with that. And so I would love for you to just encourage our listeners in any other way that you want to, just whatever else is just maybe even just today, like what's burning on your heart today. Um, Just before we close, I'd love for you to just share anything that's on your your heart. Yeah, I would just say, I, I feel like in this stretch of life, I am more aware that God is not threatened when we bring our questions to His Word, you know, and we come to Him really raw and kind of gritty, like, God, you say that you're a protector, but I don't feel protected. <laughs> or you mm. say that you are, you bring peace, but I feel a whole lot of anxiety. And actually mm. seeing the Word of God meet me there, um, I mm. feel like, you know, I'm about to turn 40 in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking at my 40s going, I want to fall in love with the God of His Word again and not approach mm. it like, man, when I was 16, that's when I really met the Word of God. But and I, I feel like he is really, um, I guess I would encourage listeners to say if, if it feels stale or like it reads like a history book, man, you're not alone. I think there's a lot of people who really wrestle from that place and then maybe set it aside. But I would just encourage you, maybe there's a new way to come to him 
um, mm-hmm. and approach his word and say, make it fresh and make it real because it is living and active and it pierces through our soul and our bones and our mm-hmm. marrow. I mean, it gets yes. to the core of us. And I don't know that there's anything better. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, your honesty because I feel like um, we, I get to mentor worship leaders and, and one of the things that I try to do all the time is just be um, super honest about that place when it does get stale. And so that's such a great um, reminder to that. You know, we can pray and ask God to make it come alive again. God, make this in some way come alive to us again. And that is not a shameful prayer to pray. And in fact, like, just praying like, God, give me a hunger for you. Let your word become like honey to me again, you know, and, and really yeah. learning that that prayer is not shameful. So I love the honesty and I love just the way that you, you're modeling this and sharing it. And so I'm so, I'm just, I truly mean it. I'm not just saying this. <laughs> I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful oh, for this message and I'm excited for the way that God is going to use it in a million unseen ways. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I have felt very similarly about your music. So it's sweet to hear you say that because I feel like you've been a blessing to me for two decades almost with your music. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for being our guest today. And um, just excited that one of these days we're going to get to have coffee for real and be Maybe face-to-face. Maybe this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that. So thank you so much again. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Christy. I pray that you'll be able to still your heart before the God who made you today and practice training your heart to be seen by Him and loved by Him, even maybe in your most unproductive moment of the day. And I pray that you'll set your heart to seek Him in that place every day, to learn that He highly celebrates you and that there's something really treasured about this unseen place with Him, and it's more precious than anything. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed getting to hear from Sarah, and I hope you'll get a hold of her new book, Unseen. It's available now. And remember, if you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash Christy Knuckles. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Christy Knuckles, and you'll get the new podcast starting next week, a week before everyone else. And it's one you don't want to miss. It's all about the stirrings, like I said, from this past spring. And you're going to get a sneak peek of some very, very special music that's on the way. I so appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for journeying with me. I'll talk to you soon.